Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. And I've become a Predators fan recently, so I understand the sacrifice that you're making to be here tonight. And can you go ahead and give us that score one more time? <laughs> you failed us, Brad. You didn't keep us updated. <laughs> they say you can take the girl out of New Orleans, but you'll never take New Orleans out of the girl. And that's why I say that I'm New Orleans raised, but I'm Nashville made. And it happened to me at 317. We came to Nashville because we had an opportunity. And as soon as we got to Nashville, that opportunity that we had fell through. So we were bringing our family here for a better life. We were finally gonna have stability and we were gonna buy our children a fancy house in Brentwood. <laughs> and as soon as we got here, the job that my husband came for fell through. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna go back to doing what we know to do all the time and that is work odd jobs and be a contractor. Well, the year is now 2007, and as you know, the economy begins to tank. And if you're in the home business in any sort of way, that's not really the best place for you to be. And so when I was looking at my then husband, because <laughs> when you're in a restaurant business, you'll lose a lot of things. And sometimes that means your family and your friends and you're alone. It's a very lonely place to be when you have success. But I was looking at my then husband and he looked great to me. He looked like he was dying. And so I asked God for something that I could do. And God told me to make cupcakes. Yep. That's my grandbaby. <laughs> she wants to come up here and take the mic. Um, God told me to make cupcakes, but God, I don't know how to bake. Not even out of a box. And whenever other people take Betty Crocker mixes and they follow the instructions, they get what looks like the picture on the outside. But when I do it, I get crackers. And my children are sitting right here and they are witnesses to what I'm telling you is the truth. And so I was asking God for something that I could do. And I was being awakened every morning at 317. It's kind of like that movie Groundhog's Day. And I played this game with myself. I'd open my eyes, look at the ceiling. I'm gonna look to the right and the clock is gonna say 317. And every time I'd win the game, <laughs> It was gonna be 317. So I got up one night to do what I normally did at 317. Check the house, make sure that the doors are locked, make sure that the stove is off, check on my children, check, 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 check. I have a lot of children. <laughs> and so they're all breathing 
And so I decide to sit down and watch TV. And my favorite time to watch television is PBS during fundraising. To me, that's television at its best. And so I was watching TV and the guy on there said, the morning breeze has something to tell you, do not go back to sleep. And that sounded like crazy to me. And I wanted him off my TV. But at 317, you're just a little bit too tired to worry about looking for the remote control. So he said it again, the morning breeze has something to tell you, do not go back to sleep. So now I'm gonna make it my business to get up and find the remote because he's getting off my TV. And so as I'm looking high and low for the remote control, I heard him say, God is trying to speak to you and this is the only time you'll be silent and listen. Well, now you're talking my language. So I decided to sit down. And I heard him say that now that I knew why I was getting up, it would now be hard for me to actually come and sit. And just like he promised, it'd take me a week before I get back out of the bed to do what I had been doing for months. So when I finally put my feet on the floor and made my way to the living room, I sat there and said, God, okay, I'm here. I think you're supposed to speak but I don't know how to hear you and I don't know what you came to say. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do. I opened my, I took my Bible and I opened it. Chapter three, verse 17. And I read the entire thing that way over the next several weeks. Every book, chapter three, verse 17, and all the little references and the little notes on the inside that would explain to me what was happening and I began to write very feverishly everything that I was learning in a journal book because I had learned at 317 that if you write the vision and make it plain, they'll be able to run with it and not faint. So I was asking God for something that I could do. What I haven't told you is the reason that I was asking God for something. We were losing the house that we had we knew the date that it was going up for foreclosure. We had lost our cars, and we were living in that house in Germantown without electricity on a regular basis and without running water in a time of a new millennium in an era where mostly rich people lived around us. And we would go to Kroger a lot of days to buy gallons of water to fill up the tub so that the baby could take his bath first because he's the cleanest. And my children would go to school every day knowing that they need to eat breakfast and lunch at school because you don't know what you're gonna eat when you get home. As I've listened to so many of these stories tonight, our stories are very much the same. When you're on the ground and you're just very low, there's no place that you can go but up. My children used to eat a lot of ramen noodles, like Vui said, and my kids can hook up a bag of noodles. <laughs> noodles are just 17 cents, and that's mostly what we could afford all the time. So as I was God, God had told me to make cupcakes, and I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know how to make cupcakes. I don't even know how to bake, not even out of a box. 
And at that time, they were building up Germantown. And I was baking every day because this was my plan for my daughter who was graduating from high school that year. And when I came to my daughters and I talked to my daughters who were then 10 and 16 about opening a bakery, they loved it. And since my daughter didn't have a plan after graduation, I figured they make cupcakes at night after school and I, who was really great at business, would run their business out of a little window in one room of our home. Because I'm from New Orleans and a lot of little mom and pop shops happen out of windows in homes. And so I thought, that's what I'll do in Nashville. And so as I got the plans from the city, they let me know that my dreams were just a little too big for this little small space and that it wasn't gonna work. But I made a new plan and went to my daughters with it. And as I got ready to present my bakery to the world, I got a sign about three by three and it said, bakery coming soon. And I put it out and we were gonna open a bakery here. As we got started on the bakery, my daughter let me know that she did have a plan and it didn't include me or my bakery, that she was going back to New Orleans where we were from and she was gonna go spend time with her biological mother. And so without her, my younger daughter was no longer interested. So here I am, I've told the entire world on a three by three sign that I'm open a bakery and they all know it now. So I've got to open because I really believed that the entire world saw that sign. And for two years, I worked in that business every day as if it was opening soon. <laughs> A lady knocked on the door one day and said, I came to give you your sign. I said, why, did it fall down? She said, no, it's a lie. I've been driving by this sign for two years and this bakery is not coming soon. But it was that I was working every day with what I could grasp together to make cupcakes with, to learn how to use baking soda. Why am I using baking powder? And they were building up Germantown at the time, and so whenever real estate agents would come by, I would say, look, I don't know how to bake, but I was in my kitchen making up something because I'm making a bakery and it's coming soon. Will you try my cupcakes that I've made? And they were like, heck yeah. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but they were like pleasantly welcoming to me because Nashville is the friendliest place you'll ever want to live. And so those people started coming back and knocking on my door and asking me for more. And my house began to be known as the Lemon Crack House. <laughs> and so one day I was sitting in the house in the dark at a time when my then husband had hooked up a generator to the home so that our children could have normalcy when they would come home at night. So I would stay in the house in total darkness so that, they could, so that I could save up the gas in the generator so that when they came home, they could have lights. And so I was sitting in the kitchen in darkness and I was counting out the last of the money that I had for the week after we'd just gotten paid and we had paid all the bills and I had $5 left to feed our family for the week or for however long that was gonna mean. 
and someone knocked on the door. And it was my neighbor, and she said, why are you sitting in the dark? And I said, because I'm meditating. <laughs> and she bought it very easily. And so she said, well, I'll let you get back to what you were doing, but I just came to let you know that those lemon crack things that you make, I want to buy them for all of my clients for Christmas. So what I want you to do is every time you make some, I'll pay you. Okay. In my head, but I only have $5. What I learned at 317 was that if God would feed birds, he would feed me too. So I took the gamble and I decided to go to the store my $5 in hand, and buy all the ingredients that I could buy, hoping that she would do what she said she would do and pay me tonight, because if she doesn't, we're going to be eating cupcakes. And so that day, I went to the store, I got all I could get, and by that night, I had $60 in my hands. And I bought my kids snacks, baby. I bought them chips and Little Debbie's and every Kool-Aid. My kids didn't get to have stuff like Kool-Aid. And, and so they, there was a celebration in our house that night. By the end of that week, I had turned that $60 into $600. And I've turned that 600 into over 10 million in the time that I've been open with my store. When I was a little girl, I told my mom that I was gonna be famous. And she would say, for what? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, be famous, baby. What I want you to know is when you speak what you seek, you will see what you said. Thank you for listening.